This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So, we have a lead pastor candidate coming next Sunday. Are you excited about that? Yes. I think it's going to be a fantastic Sunday. I told you last week you didn't want to miss it, right? Now you know why, okay? I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, As exciting as all that is, the most exciting part of that is sensing that God is leading us as a church. And I would like to think that the best days for this church are still in its future. I think they are. And I think God is going to bring us the person that he's going to use to lead us into the future. And I can get really excited about that. So, yes, thank you. You like my shirt? Yes, okay. There there are two reasons why I'm wearing this shirt. The first is, uh, the last Sunday of every month, our next-gen people have what they call a theme for the Sunday, and their theme for this Sunday is red, white, and blue. So, voila, here we are. I'm supporting our next-gen ministry, and if you see people wearing red, white, and blue, more than likely they either work in next-gen or they highly value next-gen. So that's a big deal. Uh, They chose red, white, and blue because it's Memorial Day weekend. And I just want to say, I want to remind us, no matter what you eat tomorrow or what you do, Memorial Day has been set up for two purposes, and they're both important to all of us. And the first is, it's a day to remember those who have invested in us, including our parents, our grandparents, teachers, people who are older than we are, and some of them have already lived out their lives on this earth and they've gone on before us. It's a day to remember them. And I remember on Memorial Day every year, and my mom will do it again this year. My mom will take flowers and she will go to the graves first of her husband who died 17 years ago, and then to the grave of her husband's parents and her husband's brother who was killed in a car accident and the young brother and sister of her husband who died when they were uh, two and seven years of age. It's a day to remember those who have been important parts of our lives. It's why back in the Midwest, it's sometimes called Decoration Day because people go to the, to the tombs of those they love and decorate them. It's also a day to remember those who have invested heavily in our freedom as a country. And some of them, many of them, thousands of them, paid the ultimate price. And it's a day that we choose to remember that we are blessed because of what they did. So would you join me in a prayer? God, we are grateful 
We are so grateful for those who have invested in us, our parents, our grandparents, teachers in the schools where we went when we were kids, Sunday school teachers, those who worked in kids' ministry, those who came alongside us as teenagers and became mentors, even if they didn't know they were. Somehow we saw in them something that we said, when I get older, I want to be like them. God, on this, on this weekend, we remember those who passed on to us a legacy that was worth living. And God, we remember those in our country, but not just in our country only, but in countries around the world where men and women enlist because they want to defend the God-given freedoms and rights that every person should have. And we're reminded that every freedom, every right we have had a very high price tag. And we remember those who paid the ultimate price so that we could live and love and worship as we feel directed by you. And God, today we pray for new life in this pastor search. Next week, this week and next weekend is such a big and important time in that process. And I know we're all going to get caught up in the excitement and all that, and that's great. But underneath all of that, would you help us to discern your leading and your guiding so that we could take steps forward, not just because we're excited or think it would be great, but because we feel your hand leading us as a church. Would you guide us now as we teach, as we learn, and as we grow? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's a plant. You probably have figured that out. Okay? That plant is up here not just to decorate that stand, we're going to learn something from that plant today that I hope you and I never forget. Today, we jump back into a series of teachings that we will visit several times during this year, and it's our journey through the book of Ephesians, and it's called The Way of Jesus, because in this book in the New Testament, of the Bible called Ephesians. Paul lays out with greater clarity. Paul is the author of that book. He was an apostle of Jesus. He lays out with greater clarity than perhaps any other passage of scripture in the Bible, what the way of Jesus looks like in real life. And so we're going back to that to take another uh, stint of teachings in this way of Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about from roots to blooms. Hence the plant. Um, but I want you to read what is the subtitle, Understanding the Progressive Nature and Power of Heavenly Love. Without meaning to be condemning or judgmental in any way, I want to just state a personal observation. I think 
that the big C church, when I say big C church, do you know what I mean? It's the church of Jesus all over the world, not just here, okay? The big C church. I think when it comes to understanding how the church is supposed to work and what walking with God is supposed to look like, I think it's highly possible that our priorities are not exactly where Jesus wanted them to be. And I would tell you, this is not easy stuff to figure out, okay? But if you look at what is at the core of this walking with Jesus and what actually transforms a person's life, And what actually takes a normal human being and somehow infuses them with supernatural power so that their life is transformed and so that their influence on other people is is huge and effective. As I look at the Big C Church, oftentimes it comes across to me that the Big C Church believes that it's all about what we believe. It's all about what we know from the Bible. And it's all about believing and knowing what is true. Now, before you tar and feather me and run me out of town, those are all very important, okay? This is not an either or, okay? But what I would like to say to us today is that I know it's the truth that sets us free. But I've seen a lot of people hold the truth and without holding it in love, it doesn't set anybody free. In fact, Paul tuned into that. He said, you know, if I give my body to be burned and I give away all my things to the poor, but I don't do it out of love, do you remember what he says after that? I am nothing. When you get done reading that, you don't have to say, I wonder what he meant. That's pretty clear. Yeah. The Bible is very clear that truth has a very key role in our lives. But if you miss everything else I say this morning, hang on to this. As important as truth is, love is superior to truth. Love will do more to change your life than truth by itself ever could. I'm not just saying that. I want to point you to some passages and literally... I could spend the whole 30 minutes this morning just reading passage after passage after passage out of the Bible that would uphold what I'm saying to us. I just want us to get it. So let's go back to Jesus. And I want you to hear what Jesus said on the last day of his life on this earth to his 12 closest followers. Here's what Jesus said. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. Well, Stop the train right there. Was that a new command? No, you could find it in the Old Testament. Huh. Why would Jesus call it a new command? Well, if you studied 
how the Jews lived out the Old Testament, love was not high on their list of ideals. I can tell you that. It was keeping the commands. It was knowing the commands. It was believing the right things about God. Huh. Jesus came along and said, whoa, I want to give you a new command. Actually, it's an old command, but I want to give you a new understanding of it. Notice how he describes it. In the same way I have loved you, now you must love one another. That, my friends, was new. When Moses came and Moses gave the Jews the Old Testament law that God gave him, it was not big on love. Moses didn't say, listen, this is how everybody's going to know that you're walking with God. It's your tremendous love for each other. It was not that. The Jews had taken the law of Moses and they had distilled out of the law of Moses 623 commands. And you were thinking 10 was good. 623. And you better know them all and you better keep them all. It was not big on love. And Jesus came along and Jesus said, I want to show you how to live out the law that Moses gave you. And the way that you do it is you start first and foremost on a platform of love for every single human being. And if you miss that, you could keep all 623 and it wouldn't do you any good. Does that make sense to everybody? We often say in this church, the heartbeat of our church is this. The first statement is everybody's what? Loved. That's why we start there. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Love each other as I have loved you. And then he goes on to say, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Not just each other in the church, each other as human beings. Well, when I put that on paper, it looks like this. It looks like as followers of Jesus, love for others is to be so deeply embedded in our DNA as Jesus followers that it becomes the hallmark of our identity to everybody else. Wouldn't it be great if someone that didn't really know you, but they met you and they said, oh my goodness, they must be a Christian. They love everybody. Wow. That's how it's supposed to be. That's our ID as followers of Jesus. Wow. One day, a guy came to Jesus who was an expert in the 623 commandments. And he said to Jesus, so I know there's all these commands. Which is the most important? And Jesus responded like this. Take a look. The first commandment in importance is love the Lord with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love others as well as you love yourself. And notice what Jesus said at the end. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. Huh. Love is supreme. It's big. 
It's as big as it gets. Now, according to Jesus, loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves is more important than anything else in life. That's not for me. That's from Jesus. Wow, that's big. That's huge. Why would it be like that? The Apostle John came along one day and wrote this simple statement, three words. This was the first verse I ever memorized as a tiny child. Okay? I can remember my mom and my dad saying, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. You know what John was saying? You take God like an onion and you peel him all back. And when you get to the core of the onion, that is God, you will find love. Love is the root nature of God himself. That's why it's the most important thing in the whole world. But you notice in our in, in sort of the subtitle, I called it heavenly love. Because the love that comes from God and the love that followers of Jesus get directly from God that they are then able to pass along to other people is love of a different quality and nature than just the general run-of-the-mill love that we see in our world all the time. Because the love we see in our world is very conditional. And it's a lot of times not that deep. Okay? I love Mama J's pizza. True. That's not real deep, though, do you think? And you know what it would take to ruin that love? One trip to Mama's, Mama J's with a bad pizza. All of a sudden, I don't love Mama J's pizza so much. No, there is a place called Mama J's, and they do have very good pizza, by the way. Okay? But heavenly love is love that's not given on the basis of anything earned. It's given on the basis of a common understanding. that when you and I get in our cars and we drive out of this parking lot today and we drive down the street and we drive past someone who maybe hasn't had a shower in months and is sitting beside the road with a cardboard sign and hasn't had a haircut in who knows how long and they are absolutely struggling in this life and they are living way beneath probably where they could be living instead of looking at them in judgment. We look at them and realize that's a child of God. There's someone that Jesus died for. And when I look at them and my heart breaks, I realize Jesus' heart breaks for them too. 
Friends, that's not earthly love. Where does that come from? That's heavenly love, right? That is what we're talking about. Now today, we're going to break into this trip through Ephesians, and we're right in the middle of a prayer that Paul is actually praying for uh, the people there in Ephesus. And so let's jump into that prayer, and I want to read it to you. Paul says, I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. That could be a whole teaching. Are you on board with that? I'm not going to touch that today. But I do pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts. Man, that's beautiful. That's big. He goes on to say, your roots, huh, from roots to blooms, right? Here's where we start. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, don't, don't skip this next phrase, as all people should. Hmm. What I'm going to teach us this morning is not just for spiritual leaders. This is, not, this is not for the stewards of our church or the staff members of our church or for me as the pastor. He said, as all God's people should. It's for all of us. He goes on to say, what is it he wants for us? That we would know, understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. Is that a big assignment? That's big. Now he goes on to comment, may you experience different word than understand. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Wow. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want you to see, the, the subtitle of this is Understanding the Progressive Nature and Power of Heavenly Love. Paul I, completely connects the concept of understanding and experiencing God's love and God's power at work in us. There's a direct connection. And then he goes on to say what happens when we get that right. He says, now, O glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work in us, that's his love at work in us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What's the third statement in, in our heartbeat? The first is everybody's loved. The second is nobody's perfect. What's the third? Anything's possible. You see it there. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's so good. Let's start at the end of it and understand some stuff, and then we'll dig back into that whole section about love. When we get this love thing right, what Paul is saying at the end is it releases God's unlimited power within us. We're going to come back to that later. When we get this right, there's this growth of God's power in us that is beyond anything we can explain. 
And it certainly is beyond anything we deserve. When we get this love thing right, he goes on to say, when this happens, anything becomes possible. I just want you to hear this said in a different way. Are you ready? God can make anything out of anybody. Can I give you a personal illustration? One Sunday afternoon, I was going home, and it had been a really powerful morning, and I was, I was just so grateful to God. And I said, God, you've given me the greatest job in the world. I'm so blessed to get to stand in front of a group of people and talk about you and talk about how you can change their lives. And I get to watch them open their hearts to this. And I get to watch their lives change. I'm just blown away, God. I'm so grateful that you have chosen to make me a teacher. You know the message I get back from him. Are you ready for this? He said, Ron, I'm really happy about that too. I just want to remind you that in the Bible, I have a story where I spoke through a donkey. <laughs> How's that for perspective? <laughs> what God was saying is I could do what I do through you through a donkey if I wanted to. Yes, God can make anything out of anybody. I pray that we come to understand that. That no matter what any of us looks like on the way in, don't ever doubt for a minute that God could make something fantastic out of any of us. That's the good news of Jesus, okay? Now, thirdly, when we get this right, we represent Christ well. We represent God well. I long for the day. And I, frankly, I want to tell you, one of the things I love most about new life is that wherever I go in this community, the reputation that new life has is this is a church where people are loved. I hear that from people who have never been here. That's the way it's supposed to be. Thank you, thank you, thank you for daring to believe that and live it out. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now let's go to the soil and the roots part of this thing. I'm sorry. Yes. In the soil and the roots, Paul said, I pray that Christ would make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And then he went on to say, your roots will grow down into God's love. I want to stop right there. Because most Christians that I know of want their roots to grow deep into God. But I want you to clearly see that's not what Paul said. He wanted our roots to grow deep into what? God's love. Huh. I can already hear some trite theologians say, well, if your roots grow into God, you get the love as part of it. That's not actually what Paul was saying. He's not saying that he wants our roots just to grow into God, knowing about God, learning about God, studying God's word. No, that's all important stuff. 
But the more important thing, he said in the midst of doing all that, that our roots would go deep into God's love. Hmm. Here's some principles. Number one, we choose each day the soil we place our roots in. Did you know that? Every day, you plant your roots into something. God forbid you get all amped up about a toothpaste ad and sink your roots in toothpaste. Or a car. Or a house. Or some makeup. Or some title at work. None of those are bad things. But they're not worthy of your roots. Got it? Paul says, don't just put your roots into God. Don't stop until you get your roots all the way down into God's love. Wow. The soil we choose determines the outcome of our lives. Now, this is a hydrangea plant, okay? It has roots, and there's soil in here, even though you can't see it. But for the purposes of this morning, I want you to understand the soil in here is God's love in our story. And if this hydrangea wants to grow and be healthy and experience the fullness of life, it has to sink its roots deep into that soil or it'll never thrive. And the amazing thing is this particular um, type of hydrangea can have either blue blooms or pink ones. If the soil is more acidic than it is alkaline or balanced, then it will produce blue blooms. I like to think of blue as kind of cold and impersonal, kind of icy. No offense to anybody whose favorite color is blue. Okay. All right. And so the lesson from this plant is, if I, if I sink my roots into something less than God's love, even if it's just God himself, my blooms will be cold and icy blue because they're in a soil that's imbalanced. But if the pH of the soil is balanced or slightly alkaline, this plant will produce the most beautiful, warm, pink blossoms you can imagine. It's the soil that determines the outcome. And Paul says to us, I want your roots to sink deep into the soil of God's love. Our best life is possible only if we intentionally grow our roots in God's love. I have some suggestions at the end for how we can do that. 
But for right now, I just want us to see our roots, what really affects where our life gets its nourishment is going to be where we sink our roots. Now, the next part of the plant is the stalk, and it's the branches, and it's the leaves. And these look pretty good, don't they? This looks like a really healthy plant. Should be. I bought it yesterday. <laughs> I haven't had time to kill it yet, okay? It's, it should look really good, all right? Now, here's what we need to know about the stalk and the leaves, okay, and the little branches. They are what enable the plant to actually be strong and to be vibrant and to be filled with vitality and life. And so Paul says, when you get your roots down into God's love, it, it affects the rest of your life. It will keep you strong and it will give you power to do some things. Because you see, strength in this life comes from, Paul is saying, getting a personal grasp on God's love. Wow, that's important. We'll come back to that at the very end. He wants us to understand that what we lack in understanding, because can you fully grasp God's love? Yes or no? No, it's too big. But what you lack in understanding can kind of be made up for when you experience God's love. When you, when you tap into God's love so deeply that you have moments in which your heart just overflows with the fact that you are loved by God beyond what you could imagine. How wonderful is that? We talked about that last week when David said, my cup overflows. And last of all, our personal strength and vitality comes from our interaction with God's love. It's not enough for me to get on my knees every morning and haul out my whole list of things I want God to do. God, would you be with my mom and be with my brothers and be with my nephews and be with my nieces and be with this person in our church and be with that person and just have this whole list of things that that you really want God to take action on. Because friends, not that there's anything wrong with that prayer. It's okay. That's good prayer. But that prayer will never sink your roots deep into God's love. Got it? It's got to be something more different than that. And when we get our roots into God's love, our soul begins to, to just suck up that nourishment from God's love. And we get the strength and this inner power to be way more than we could ever be apart from it. Our personal strength and vitality comes from our interaction with God's love. Now let's go to the blooms, okay? Paul says, if we do this and we are made strong and God fills us with this power, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life. Have you ever planted and raised a plant and it looked great? The only problem is it never bloomed. If you have raised plants, you've had that experience. 
You go buy a tomato plant, you put it in the ground, you put all the fertilizer, it grows, you got foliage everywhere, but it never blooms and never gives you tomatoes. How fulfilled was that for you? You're like, I wasted that whole time. I didn't get a one stinking tomato out of that plant. Because you and I all know that the fullness of life includes beautiful blooms and fruit. And Paul is saying, look, if you want your life complete, if you want it to bloom, it takes more than roots and it takes more than stalks and branches and leaves. It takes blooms and fruit because blooms represent a plant's ultimate beauty, don't they? Yeah. Not only that, blooms enable a plant to reproduce. I won't get into biology or botany and all that stuff where we talk about pistols and stamens and all that kind of stuff that's part of the bloom of a plant. But in most plants, what enables it to reproduce is what takes place in the bloom because that's where the seeds are produced. And the last of all, until a plant blooms and produces fruit, we know it does not yet have the fullness of life in it. So this all comes down, you put all this together, and here are the application ideas where this all begins to gel. The first one is, if you want to be stronger, okay, pray and focus on sinking your roots deeper into God's love. Don't get out your Bible and study more. Don't buy commentaries. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It just won't help you get stronger. It'll help you get smarter, but it won't help you get stronger. Okay? If you want to be stronger in your faith, focus and pray about sinking your roots deeper into God's love. I won't tell you the story today, but if you come to this church and have come very long, you know I love everybody and hug everybody. Everybody on board with that? You know that, right? I know some of you have avoided me. I know one person in particular, the first five years she came here, it was a game. She would try to sneak through the lobby to see if she could get past me without a hug. I gigger about that today. Um, it's okay. Okay? The point is, there was a time in my life where I was cold and impersonal. And if you came to the church I led, I would have greeted you at the door with a handshake out here, and I would have said, welcome to church. Come on in. And you would never get closer to me than that. And then one day, I began to pray that God would, able, would enable me to love like Jesus loved people. And I began to focus on that. And friends, in one week, God completely changed my life. I'll tell you the full story someday. But he made me a lover of people. Yeah. So if you want to be stronger, pray and focus on sinking your roots, the roots of your soul, not just into God, 
not just into church, not just into volunteering. Those are all good things. Focus on sinking your roots into God's love. Okay? Idea number two. If you want to become more fruitful in life, if you want your life to make a bigger difference, if you want to influence people, if you want to bless people, instead of working harder, try pressing into a deeper understanding and experience of Christ's love. And watch him expand the fruitfulness of your life. This is the progressive nature and power of heavenly love. A third idea, by the way, I could I'd have a dozen of these or more, all right? Here's a third one. If you want your life to be more beautiful, are you tired of messing up? Are you tired of having to apologize all the time? Are you tired of having to explain why you have this Band-Aid on your lip? which I had earlier this morning. If you want your life to be more beautiful, okay, try asking God to increase your capacity to understand and receive his love. And then to enable you to love others as he is loving you. When you take God and you peel all the layers back, what's at the very core? God is love. And my friends, when you take the church of Jesus and you peel all the layers off, you know what you should find at the core? We're going to move into a time of communion. And there's a passage that I want to read to us. That's, it's so important, and it'll take me only a minute. Take a look at the screen. Paul wrote to the people in Corinth, and he said, Now listen, God made him who had no sin. Who's that? That's Jesus. Okay, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Please don't expect me to explain how God did that. I don't know how God took your sin and my sin and somehow made it part of Jesus, but he did. Because God can do anything. And how in the world God separated me from my sin and how in the world God took all my sin and made it part of Jesus I can't explain, but I, I accept it and I believe it and I know it to be true. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we partake of communion, Jesus said, the bread that's in this little thing up here represents my body which was broken for you I'm giving it for you and the juice represents my blood and in this supreme act of love I am taking on me all of your sin 
And when they nail me to the cross, I'm taking all your sin with me. And when I die, your sin dies with me. It's done. It's dead. It's gone. But when I come out of the tomb, I'm not bringing any sin with me. I'm bringing life. I'm bringing eternal life. I'm bringing the love of God with me. And it's for all of you. So in our church, every Sunday we participate in communion. It's not required of anybody. It's completely optional. But it's also open to anybody. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you want to honor Jesus in the way that we are honoring him and in the way that he invites us to, then I would invite you to take one of these communion kits. If you didn't get one on the way in and you would like one, there are baskets on the back two tables. You can just quietly go and, and, and get a communion kit right now. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I will walk us through taking communion together. So right now, would you join me for prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have planted your love in our hearts. Would you help our roots to grow deep into your love so that we might be transformed and that we might live with a heavenly love for you, for other people, and even for ourselves. And in this simple memorial, we eat the bread and we drink the cup to remember the day, Jesus, when you took our sins and you died not only for them, but with them so that we would be forever separated from our sin and we could be made alive in the righteousness of God. We thank you and we bless you. And we pray in your own great name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.